0: What's up? My name is Jake Kerr, I'm from Black Ink, and today we're doing podcast number six for Black Ink Podcast. Now look, today I'm talking about something that I hold very close to my heart. I just wanna get into it. Today I'm gonna to talk about being a brilliant man, right? And I understand, look, massive claim, being a brilliant man, kind of an odd goal actually. It's one of those things where like, you would hope that most men are trying to be brilliant men just as a standard, but in reality, it's not even something that's really discussed anymore. And I think, like, even talking about being a man in general and like what it is to be masculine and to like be proud of your masculinity, it's almost like a topic that's out of bounds. And to be honest with you, I recorded a podcast yesterday that was like 55 minutes long. And I got so caught up in like a space of like, well, one, I was losing my train of thought. And two, I kind of felt like I was scared to say things. I was scared of what I was saying because it was breaching into areas that actually had nothing to do with being a brilliant man and was dancing around this crazy fucking idea that the fact that I'm talking about man is being a man is something that I shouldn't be doing, right? And that's part of the fucking problem is that because we're not having these conversations, it's not at the forefront of people's mentalities and, and the ideas that they have with themselves and therefore it's not something that people are focusing on and, try and get really good, trying to be really good at. <clears throat> and I kind of isolated within myself probably about I want to say uh, probably about 18 months two years ago that I have a goal in the future of being a brilliant man and part of that in my personal experience and I probably should just like as a disclaimer before we get too deep into this one you can be a brilliant woman with masculine traits right I'm gonna speak a lot about my experience as a male growing up in you know the 90s and early 2000s as a child and teenager and my experience of being a guy with the goal of becoming a man with my idea of what being a man is. Now that can be specific specific to everyone and today I'm gonna to be talking about the specific idea of what that is to me, right? So please, if I offend you, go fuck yourself and if I don't offend you, hopefully you took something away from this that you can learn from or you know maybe you can tell me your idea of what it is and I can adjust how I feel about being a man and my goal of becoming a greater man, right? Now something that I always did And anyone that was around me when I had black ink as a coffee van years ago most likely heard me saying this if we had any sort of conversation that was beyond just the, you know, standard day to day how's the weather type of conversation. You ever call me a good man, I'd correct you and say I'm a good boy, I'm trying to be a good man. Right? That I feel like I am I'm I'm twenty-eight years old and, you know, like I can grow a bit of facial hair and I look like an adult male, and I feel like I'm not a man, you know, and I don't mean that in a negative way, I mean that in a almost like a positive way because like the thing about chasing the goal of being a man is that it's that the whole thing is the path of becoming a man and like making your way to manhood it's embodying the fact that you haven't got it figured out and you're trying to figure it out and you're trying to figure it out, figure it out in the best way possible and that whole process is actually the process of becoming a man and this all started and like there the, I need to say there is a distinction between being a man and being a brilliant man right Because I believe to be a man is a lot easier than it is to become a brilliant man. Because then we talk about the definition of what brilliance is to the individual and then applying that to being a man. I feel like putting yourself in a position where, you know, if we start at the start and go like, you know, a man does... See here, we already go into this whole gender fucking argument. But a man does the heavy lifting. A man does the decision making. A man does, you know, and I'm not saying that a woman can't do that. I'm saying a good man has that skill in his repertoire, right? And to be a brilliant man, I feel is to do all of those things that you consider to be a man to the nth degree. To take it to to fucking 11 out of 10. You know, to really like... You know, if, if being a man is being able to shut up and listen, then it's shutting up and listening in every situation before you start talking. It's allowing yourself to learn from someone who you think that you can't learn from. It's being the best possible version of whatever you think the character that is a man is. And when I like trace this back to like, where does this all start? Where did it come from? This feeling of like, even the idea that there's some sort of like distinction between just people who are males and people who are men, um, it all kind of travels back to like pretty much my earliest recognition of the fact that there are people in this world who are just fucking different, you know, they're different in a good way. They're different in like the best possible way you can imagine. And the things that made me pay attention to these particular people when I was a child were really simple. They were the people who gave me time. They were the people who listened to what I had to say. And they were the people who asked me questions that really weren't questions for that moment. They were questions for later on. They were questions that made me question myself about what the answer was rather than trying to answer the question that someone's asking me in front of me, right? And as I grow up, As I grew up, I found myself in these positions where I saw opportunities for me to be very similar to that person in particular situations, but wouldn't really follow through with it because I didn't know what it was. And then I found myself infatuated with the idea of actually embodying what that is, trying to figure out what it is, see what it is, reverse engineer it and then put those practices into the character that I'm trying to become and then like put them into play. When you see these little situations or little opportunities to be a better man or a better person, taking it on board, giving yourself permission to do it, carrying it out and and executing it, you know? And then also part of being a man is like, once it's happened, even if it was a beautiful moment, never talking about it again, never thinking about it again, just letting it be what it was in its beautiful state and moving on and looking for that next situation that you can better or you can insert yourself into in a great way where it affects someone else. And I think the thing that I really... Aspire to like embrace into my day-to-day life is just like I've spoken about this before is doing things properly and understanding like I do, I've just had a really great conversation with an, with another local business owner who was talking about the power of execution and how people are like unfortunately a lot of people uh, struggle to actually execute things they can have a really good idea and they can actually plan it all out and they can have all the pieces in play ready to, to do the damn thing but to do the damn thing and get it over the line seems to be really fucking difficult, you know? And I find that, you, you know, like, for example, let's take a really easy example. Every morning, I actually have it with me, and I didn't plan this at all, but I fill this cup up, you know, the um, Aubrey Marcus, uh, hydrate yourself in the morning, you pinch your salt, a squeeze of lemon, you dilute it all, you pour it into half a liter worth of water, you drink that bitch, first thing you do when you wake up and it replenishes all the minerals that you've lost through heavy through mouth breathing overnight and you you know you're starting your day hydrated rather than starting with coffee and putting yourself behind the eight ball now do i like drinking you know half a liter to 700 ml of water first thing in the morning with salt and lemon in it and it's coming out of a cold tap and it's cold as fuck outside and i live in a caravan and everything's just cold no i don't like it but i fucking do it cuz it's part of the process And even if I don't understand it right now, and even if I don't feel a benefit six out of seven mornings that I do it, I fucking do it. You know, I fucking do it because the part about that is, is I'm not trying to be hydrated every day. I'm trying to tie together a fucking full day of executing the shit that I'm trying to do and being able to be proud of myself at the end of the day because I put my best foot forward. Now, this ties into being a man, right? Because... You know, let's take a bit bigger example. Let's say I go and get myself a puppy, right? I'm making a commitment to this animal and myself that every day and every hour of every day and every minute of every hour, I have an amount of concern and attention for this animal, right? And part of being a man is in no part of the part where you get really annoyed with them or you wish you didn't have them or you wish you didn't have the responsibility, whatever it is, you see past that. Because you're interested in the longevity of this project, of this interest, of this animal that you have, and you power through it, right? So every morning when I wake up, I don't have the fucking decision of like, oh, do I do the water thing today or do I not? Dude, I look at the stars, I say my prayers, I drink my water. Shut the fuck up. We've already got this, you know, it's part of being a man. It's got to be done. And the thing that I'm talking about is the actual execution of that. So if we draw a line in the sand of what I think it takes to be a man, it's the gaining the knowledge to be able to do these things when the moment comes up. It's like realizing like, right, there's going to be a certain amount of times in my life where there's going to be an awkward silence. What does a brilliant man do with that? There's going to be a certain amount of times in my life where there's going to be a moment where someone has to step up, take the lead and do the thing they don't want to do. How do I respond to that situation, blah, blah, blah. And then when we go on the other other point of the line is when those moments exist, executing the damn thing, just doing it, be brilliant, aspire to be brilliant. The thing that you don't want to do, have a rule with yourself that as soon as you have that thing in your mind that you don't want to do it, you fucking do it better than what you ever thought you could do it. And therefore you stop being scared of that feeling of like, fuck this, this involves this amount of exertion. This involves this amount of energy, or this has this sort of repercussion or whatever it is. You do the damn thing so that when you get a real high pressure moment or something that you actually don't want to do, your mind is already adjusted to the point of, well, I'm a brilliant man who executes. I get things done, you know? And, You know, if we backtrack a little bit about when I was a young boy and I would have these moments where I found myself being asked questions or I found myself talking in a crowd of adults, and out of all the adults that are standing there, you've got all of them with a glazed look over their eyes, like, Oh yeah, cool, cool, cool. You know, I'm an only child, so who travelled a lot. So I fucking you know, I have a lot of examples of different adults being around me, but then you always had that one typically older gentleman, like women are very good at obviously nurturing children, but in a certain way they I feel like women uh, kind of put this um, protective thing around you, whereas a man will put, will kind of put a child on the spot and be like, well, what is your idea? Let's hear about it, you know? like, And then they'll kind of pressure test it in the way, and, the, and then they'll leave you with a question that, that makes you kind of walk away from being like, fuck, he listened to me, but he also questioned me, and uh, okay, cool, you know? I guess, I guess, well, you know? And as a child, you're left having to answer a question, you know? And the cool thing, like where this all kind of... Ties into one another, is that I feel a part of. Now that I'm a, I'm an adult, I find myself in these situations like when I, when I consider who that person was when I was a child, and whether or not I can be that person to a child that's around me. You know, I've got um, little nephews and that that run around, <clears throat> and I think was st- like a step ne- nephews, I guess, yeah. But, um, you know, like in, I, I like to think of myself in their story as the person that inspires some sort of like growth or thought or questioning within themselves. And I wonder, what does it take to be that person? And what does it take to like make sure that when those moments arise, I not only register them, but I react to them and I give them something. I give them something valuable that they can go, oh, fuck, you know, like Jake, listen to me or you know, Jake showed me how to do this. Like Jake like really took that opportunity. And you know, it's actually akin to basically everything else in life that requires a bit of additional energy, you know, like it's one of those things where I find myself, you know, you, something comes up a job that you don't want to do. It might be, you know, like someone messages you and it means you've got to go and go into the office and open up the laptop, whatever it is. It's like, as soon as you get that message, you go, right, this is what I'm doing right now. This is what I fucking do. This is what I do, you know? whatever the job is that's my job and that's what i do so i do it and i think that same kind of structure of sentence is what sits in my mind like as soon as the kids are around you understand that you know the kids aren't going to be like you know the kids visit here once every so often they're not going to be around all the time shit they're not probably not going to be around for another 2 weeks but they will be here for 25 minutes or they will be here for 2 hours so give them that time and energy right because an interesting part about this is giving them that time and energy, that's just me recycling the time and energy that I got given as a boy, right? I'm building, I'm part of the process of building the men and the fu- men of the future by validating what they have to say and listening to what they have to say now. And unfortunately, talking to a young child is a lot like talking to a dog. You're kind of like trying to get some sort of reaction whether they're either happy or sad or whatever it is. But I mean talking to children like they're fucking adults with fully formed ideas that are bringing some shit to the table. Because even though they're not, the fact that you're treating them as if they are, nurtures them into a place where they can take themselves seriously. And when they can take themselves seriously, I feel like the thing that you're doing is like, like you're lighting the spark of consciousness within these kids that then are allowed to have opinions. And they're allowed to have these thoughts. And most of the time, the thing about being a kid is, the thoughts that you have don't align with what the rest of the world is thinking, and then you go through this process of growing up and aligning your thoughts with everyone else's thinking, but reality, the fruit lays within the thoughts that are different, that's the thing that makes you, you. And when you give these kids permission to say something and have this idea, you're giving them permission in that moment to be themselves, right? And sure, another generation of people who just fucking go to school and get awesome jobs like being an electrician or whatever the fuck they do, obviously we need them, but you know what else we need? Fucking weapons. We need absolute fucking weapons of human beings that are ready to completely change the world, right? And the crazy part about it is, I think it starts by listening to them. I think it starts by validating them. You know, rich dad, poor dad, he talks about through his whole life, you spend your 20s fucking up, you spend your 30s starting to build something, you spend your 40s just honing it in and getting it fucking right, you spend your 50s starting to lean back and then by the time you're 60, you listen to the children because they're who are tapped into the market. They're the people who are tapped into what the world is doing. They're the ones that the world is creating things for, right? And it all starts with validating them, taking them seriously. What do they want to do? What do they want to listen to? How do they want to act? How do they want to communicate with you? And responding to just that. And the crazy part about it is like, you know, even some of the negative experiences that I had as a child, I can actually see how the person was asking me to grow up. They were asking me to have an opinion when I was trying to voice an opinion and I had nothing there. They were saying, you want to talk? Then what the fuck do you want to talk about, right? You know, I can see that you're different. I can see that you're doing something. So what makes you different? What makes you special? And the problem is like, as a child, you even pick up on the cynicism in that you kind of pick up on this, uh, like almost being a cunt about it, you know, and Hey, Hey, they might be, there are some people out there that are just fucking bad people and that's what they do, right? Right. But like this particular um, person that I have in mind, I remember I used to like, it might be a surprise to you, but I I did fucking pretty poorly in school up until high school and then I just got worse, you know? And you know, you could put it down to changing schools every 10 minutes or you can put it down to some people just aren't meant to be at school. Some people just aren't meant to have normal jobs and don't really mesh super well with that. Whatever, it's in a whole other podcast. But this was like my year four, or year five teacher. And I don't even want to say his name because it makes the fucking hairs on my back stand up. But I remember one time I got in trouble as per usual and he sent me out. And it was one of those things where like, you know, the teacher's just like, Jake, just fucking get outside. You know, just go, just go. And you're like, ah, it's just Jake, just go. You know, I go outside and I'm sitting out there swinging my legs on the thing, trying to come up with like any sort of thing to get me out to go to the principal again because I know I'm like half a dozen visits in and I know the next one like mum's going to find out about. And I'm out there. And... He's like, you know, he comes out and pretty much just says like, you know, like, man, we, we can't do this, you know what I mean? And then like, I get the whole fucking waterworks in because the problem was I knew as a child that like, you know, you've done something wrong and my goal isn't to do something wrong. My goal was just to like, it wasn't even attention seeking. It's just like, there's something that we can be doing and we're doing this shit, you know, we're doing this shit. This is what we're doing. We could be doing, we could be having fun, you know, like this isn't fun and we could be having fun. And it wasn't necessarily that I wanted the attention of people like, of other students, like teachers would even say, the problem with Jake is, is he can do his work and, and and still be a fuckhead. But the problem is, everyone else around him has to suffer because of it. You know what I mean? Like they're having fun, but they don't get their work done because they can't do nineteen things at once. You know, morons, all good. So he's kind of saying, like, you know, Jake, we can't do this. I bring the waterworks on because I you know I start I start tearing up, I start crying because I'm a child, and you know I know I've fucked up, and like I know this is one of those situations where I'm probably going to end up in the principal's office. I've been through this process before. I'm not interested. And he goes, oh, here we go. Here comes the waterworks. And I remember being like, oh my God, like, fuck. Like, yeah, that's, that's actually, that's right. That's what I do. I cry. I cry every time I'm in trouble and whether or not I'm doing it as a ploy to get out of what's going on, which is what I think he was kind of pointing the direction of. It was something that he had picked up on and it was something that I did. And I hated that man for years for what he did that day. And it's taken a long time to get to... And look, I still fucking hate him in a way because fuck that guy. Like, why wear Hawaiian shirts to school? It's just weird. But one thing that I have... That I gradually have come to realize as like a... As a like... As an adult, I guess, is the reality that it made me so angry that it made me realize something about myself. And it made me change, right? And if I'm honest, it made me be a worse student in a craftier way, right? It made me get to a point where, like, I realized that the kicks really came from when you could disrupt the whole class and the teacher didn't know where it came from, you know? But the cool part about it was, was he treated me like an adult. Oh, here come the waterworks. You know what I mean? Who the fuck says that to someone in year five? Or maybe I just don't know how to treat children. Another conversation. It's just, he made me internalize what was going on rather than just living in this spot where, like, I was something that pushed things out. It was like all of a sudden I had something that was a part of myself that then came back on me. It was like this forced perception of who I was. And the crazy part about it was in that moment, he was treating me like an adult. He gave me time and he was willing to listen to the answer. You know, like, what are we meant to do? Where do we go from here? And like, that was the same day that he picked up on the fact that I, uh, d- don't make eye contact with people. Like I do it really well now because I fucking from that day, obviously it became a massive insecurity that stuck with me for the, for, you know, like my childhood and shit cool hate looking people in the eye but i do it because it's what humans do and he, he he validated me in a way that it it forced me to have an opinion about who i was in that situation and rather than just being someone who was creating a situation it's being it's someone who is a part of a situation with someone else he made me see from his point of view like oh you're gonna do the waterworks yeah i fucking know this trick you know or you just, look at me while i'm talking to you would you look at me while i'm talking to you you know, what's wrong? With, what's wrong with this? You know, like, I'm, I'm listening to what you're saying. But you know, it's just like, I don't like, is it okay that I don't want to fucking look in you? Like, yeah, I get that I'm doing the wrong thing. I get it. Yeah, that's all it was, you know, but he made me look at his eyes. You know, it's crazy about, let's say, it's your childhood. So everything's a memory of a memory, the same year, right? I remember this is in Port Hedland, by the way, and it was a St. Cecilia's before they changed it all. And there was this roofed area behind everything and I was like, in in this roofed area where the canteen was, man, I don't know what it was. My whole fucking childhood, every school I went to, I was always friends with the canteen ladies. You know, I don't know what that is but, you know, whatever. And I was walking around and uh, he goes, hey, uh, Jake, you know you're toe walking? And I was like, I fucking don't know what that is because you know, I'm fucking nine (laughs) and, or however old I was and he goes, yeah, did you know there's actually a study That relates children who walk on their toes as to not doing academically well in the long run, and uh, it was one of those things where you're like, you know, as a child you have that feeling where you're like, this is on the edge of my understanding of what the fuck is going on, but it was like, oh, someone who walks on the balls of their feet, because I did, I was real bad for it. I walked on, I literally didn't even have the heel of my ground, heel of my foot touching the ground the majority of the time. I'd kind of bounce along on my toes like this, you know. And I like lean forward and like probably why i got a big bubbly ass now. But he said that, I remember thinking like, there's a few things going on here. There's a correlation between X and Y. And also you're telling me this. And also you're telling me this so that I can make a change in myself to better myself. He was treating me like an adult, Right. And like, I remember where this conversation happened. I remember him telling me, and I remember feeling like this is the first time I've ever felt like this person in my life is a friend and not someone trying to like, and obviously this is part of being a disruptive child. You think that the person who's disciplining you is trying to stop you from being you. It's like a negative, it's like, he's the antagonist in my story, right? But the reality was in that moment, he kind of crystallized the fact that there is potential for us to be not friends, but like an associate. You know what I mean? It's like, I can be someone in your life who is just someone and not the bad guy. I can give you information. I can help you. The bizarre part is like, I'm a teacher and I can help you learn. All right. And would you believe that from that day forward, I consciously made an effort to heel strike and then onto my toe, heel strike, onto my toe, heel strike. Cause he told me, he told me how to walk. And the part I mean, the whole point of this is the fact that I feel like that was almost like a negative thing that happened to me. And it took me 15 years to realize it was the best piece of advice because it made me ask myself a question that then got to a point where I was building this idea of like who I was and like I could third party myself. I could get completely out of what what was going on with me and I could see how I was in my in my circle, in my community in my bubble and I can make changes to the character who I am to better perform in that bubble and in that society, and in that community or whatever that meant at the time. And the part about that is like, I hate to admit it, but he was probably a brilliant man. He was probably a brilliant man and he's probably in the right profession as well. It just really sucks because I spent so much of my life thinking that, you know, so much of my life as far as percentage wise thinking that he, he was a bad person, you know, like I even, I've written him letters and not sent them to him like probably twice a year for about five years of my life, going through my late teenage years, saying like, I've now done this with my life and I've now done that with my life and who the fuck were you to say all this rah, rah, rah. Where in reality, the whole point that I was writing those is because he put a fire up my ass and made me go and prove him wrong. It made me go and be better. What the fuck, you know? And look, I'm not saying that you need to go out there and fucking... I question everyone on what they're doing or pick up the negative things that they're doing in their life. For sure, that's not the way to go. But I think it's a really good working example of like positive and negative, um, cr- creating a space, whether it's positive or negative, where you do put a child into a situation where you're like, we'll speak. Tell me what you think. Let's hear what you've got to say. And if I have some critique of it, then let's move forward. And I mean, obviously, that's that's a whole child aspect of it, and I'm talking about some very fucking niche and specific situations that might come, that might arise, and you know, you might be able to put yourself into. But obviously, I'm using this whole thing as an analogy that you can cross reference into particular situations in in your life, or you know, into your into your thoughts. And obviously, now as an adult, it's one of those things now where like I not only have this, uh, like I had to get to a point where I have formed the idea that I'm trying to be a brilliant man you then have to like break down, like there's so many parts of that, like, okay, the fact that it's a goal, I need to have some sort of visual expectation of what that looks like in the future. And I need to be able to break that down into elements. And then I need to be able to break those elements down, reverse engineer it into what I can do every day and build some sort of plan that I can employ every day so that I become a brilliant man, right? And the other part of that is like, well, what the fuck is a brilliant man? What are we talking about? And in 2021, what is it to be a man? And am I allowed to talk about it? You know, is it something that I can like, is it something that that needs to be like a subtle approach? Is it something that I need to put in everyone's face? Is it something that is just like a personal relationship to me? Is it something that I talk about with other men? And the reality is there's no right answer and there's no wrong answer, but we just know when it looks not correct. We know when someone's doing something in it and you're like, oh, fuck man, I see what you're trying to do, but that's not it. And you know, I think the thing about being a brilliant man is, and I think the thing about becoming a man from, you know, just being a male that exists when you make that decision. And look, what I'm talking about might not even be best referenced as becoming a man or being a man. That's just the words that I'm using for lack of a better one right now, right? And I think you've got a bit of a feeling of what I'm aiming towards. But the thing that I find when I like made this idea of this is what I want to become, the crazy part about it was... I realize the first thing that needs to happen is I need to pull the rug out from underneath of every thought that I have of my actions, who I am, you know, how I communicate, what I do, how I treat women, how I treat men, how I treat people that I feel aren't on the same path as me and maybe have a different goal than me. And the crazy part about it is the longer you wait, the heavier the rug gets, you know, that rug that I'm talking about pulling out from underneath you, the longer you wait, the heavier it gets. And I kind of got lucky and realized that like, oh shit, there's this race that I'm running that I don't realize I'm running when I was probably like, I I had this one experience that kind of like, I feel like that was the moment I became conscious as a human being. And it happened when I was 17. And I spoke about it on the podcast yesterday that I fucked up and now I'm re-recording. But... I think in reality the rug got pulled out from me a long time before that, and I realised I made an acceptance with myself that I actually don't know what's going on, and the the reality of what I'm probably doing is that I'm probably faking it until I until I make it, and I'm trialling a whole bunch of different things. You know, I'm just literally throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks right now, and and even then it's like th- three things might stick and one of them's the right answer, but you still have to try all three things for the next five years to see what fucking works, you know? And the crazy part about being a teenager is you can try so many different things. The crazy thing about being a human under 30, and I only say that because that's my point of reference right now, is you can continue trying things for six months at a time and you still have an endless amount of time. You know what I mean? The crazy part about doing it as a teenager is you have no reference to failure. So you can kind of put your balls to the wall and just go, fucking, this is what I'm doing. And you can do it until it doesn't work anymore. And there's actually no repercussions as long as you don't hurt anyone and get addicted to anything. It's crazy. So I think when I realize, like, oh, I, uh, I live in this space where I am, I'm a male and I can see that there are these other males that are older than me that seem to have these traits that are really attractive and they're really engaging and they really are, uh, what's the word? Like they're kind of like, they're undeniable. They're undeniable. It's like you feel like the traits that these men carry would carry them through any situation. They're, they're the sort of men that you just like, oh, I could ask them about digging a hole and they'd have a really good idea about what digging a hole is. Or I could ask these men about like, hey, would you have a process for going to bed at night? You know, Or hey, what do you think is the best way to um, deal with this situation? Whether it's you know talking with a girl or whether it, you know, fill in the blank. They have an answer for everything and if they don't, they have a method of figuring it out right and the thing that they all have in common is that they don't know and they em- they embrace not knowing they start the the sentence with you know i'm not sure but here's what i've got from my experience and the crazy part about that is as is as a teenager you have this default mode where you think you know everything because you've seen it once you know and obviously the reality of being a human is you see things so many times you get to a point where you're like i've seen it all and i still seem fuck all And that is exactly what I'm talking about with being a man is like the thing is you have to pull that rug out from under yourself from being a a know-it-all teenager to someone who doesn't fucking know. You know what I mean? You kind of have to be a winner who is always in second place. You have to be someone who's willing to at a moment's notice, if the information is correct, drop what you know and how you feel and change it to the thing that works. And... The part about that is it's pulling a rug out from underneath you because you have built yourself as this character of someone who understands the things that you're involved with. You understand the path that you're taking. You understand the character who you are on that path. And now all of a sudden you're saying that you know fuck all about it. Shit. Shit. And you pull that rug out from under yourself and the reality is that's just the test run because this, this path of becoming a man, this thing that we're trying to do is actually getting used to the fact that the rug is always coming out from under your feet and it's your ability to keep on dancing to make sure that it doesn't fucking trip you over. And the kind of one goal that you're working towards hopefully is one day being old enough that you don't have to dance anymore, that you see the rug being pulled out from underneath it and you relax as you trip onto the next one, you know? And I understand that analogy has some rough edges on it, but it's basically right. It's understanding that you don't know shit, but with a lifetime of putting in good, solid, genuine effort and finishing the job, you might be able to know something at the end of it. And the reality is, the more you get to know it, the less you realize that you know it's just a fucking snake eating its tail in one way. But the snake gets fatter in that example, you know? Mm. You know why I love this cup? This cup used to have a lid and a straw from it. We got it from the grand cinemas, like fucking three years ago or two years ago. But um, because I drink uh, the lemon and uh, salt to it every day, the straw would get so black. It got to a point where, where Riz is like, you actually have to throw that out. That's disgusting. So instead of getting a whole new cup and a straw, we just fucking, we innovate, baby. Use what we got. And it's funny cause like, because I like like to you know do everything fast, so I drink my water super quick. And the reality is if you try and drink water out of this quick, you're just going to fuck up your hair and your shirt. So I figured out this thing actually humbles me, right? And I get, I've get, i got to the point now where if I'm in a rush, I've got to hold it with two hands and drink like this. And yeah, you feel as much like a kid as you look, trust me. But it's cool though, because you get this opportunity to just fucking slow down and drink some water, you know? How fun is that? <clears throat> but I tell you what I do want to talk about is that moment that I realized when I was 17 that... I like I like to call it my like coming of consciousness or like my realization that I am unconscious and that I can make conscious decisions. Like instead of just kind of being, the, the interesting part is like I felt like I went from being the the sidekick or the second lead in my movie to being the main character. It's like the second lead is just someone who's always like adding in something you know witty or like they're always in the background, they're always doing something, and the main character always relies on them. But in reality, they're kind of on autopilot. And in a way, I felt like this particular instance that happened, I like jolted from autopilot into like being the fucking main character and going like, oh, oh, I got to pull the rug out from underneath myself again because all this bullshit that I... And like the crazy part about this whole process is you can pull the rug out from under yourself and then the next day go back to doing the shit you were doing the day before. You know, and then you like, you build some shit on that rug and you got to pull it out again. And then you get a six months down the track, you're like, fuck, I'm way off the track. I got to pull it out again. And... While I felt like I had some sort of consciousness, you know, as like a critical thinking human through my mid-teenage years, I definitely, on this day, at this time, it was like fucking 5 p.m. local time, I was living in a town called Hidderveen in Holland, and I was living in this like, it's, it's like a massive um, apartment building um, with, with you know, a bunch of, I think there was actually like aged, aged people in there, and then I was living with like another 20 or 30 athletes. We're all speed skaters, I guess. i had been living there for probably two, three, four months, something like that. I was really good friends with another Australian. He was actually from Perth and we had skated together um, in Australia before. He had been living there for a bit longer than me. And um, I kind of stuck by him. He was like probably four or five years older than me. And I, at the time, and I still do to a certain extent because this is someone who is definitely a brilliant man in my life. I still see him as like the sun shines out of his ass because he has this ability to like, humble me in whatever he says in his responses to the things that I say to him, you know? And back then it was like, obviously we would have conversations all the time and like, it was as if he treated me like his dumb little brother, but he still loved me, you know? It was like one of those, it was one of those weird, like, I was always like, oh, what do you think? And he's like, you know, like, yeah, that's cool. Just don't, don't be a fucking idiot about it. You know what I mean? So we're sitting in this little, like, it was a cafeteria area. And the thing about this building was, it was massive apartment building shaped like a Y um, right next door to Telf, which was the, the, the skating arena we used to skate in, and uh, it had a cafeteria down the bottom. And every night, they were every um, weeknight, they would put on food. It was typically a very Dutch meal, so it's like you know, potatoes and meat and gravy and, and some vegetables and a lot of potatoes. And they also had some fresh fruit on the side. So uh, I got myself my plate of um, my plate of you know food, and I had some grapes on there you know, amongst other things, but the grapes are the the main part of the story. And there was this guy called Crispy. Now, Crispy was a very Dutch, um, very successful skater in both inline and ice. And like the crazy part about skaters in Holland is they're akin to footy players in Australia. Like there were blokes that I would not train with, but they were in the same training facility that I was in. I could walk up to them and talk to them and like, They didn't know who I was. But these same people, if they went out in a small town during the day to get coffee, they would have people come up to them and ask to take photos with them and shit. Like, they were that famous as those athletes there and, like, making Skrilla too. Like, legit athletes. And, like, who had fame and and wealth. And I remember one bloke I trained with, like, he's sponsored by Harley Davidson now as a fucking skater. What's going on, you know? Anyway, this one guy, Crispy, Chris and he was like... The most dutch dude ever you know what i mean just like very very well put together always well groomed always smelled good always had on great clothes like he was a guy that would rock up to training in great clothes and like you know the rest of us are in fucking track pants and all the rest he rock up in jeans and shoes and all the rest and then train you know what i mean he had the, like the dutch are a very like very proud and respect like self-respecting uh people they just a, they're, they're very like integral sort of people and Crispy, I used to think he didn't like me, but now that I look back at it as an adult, he was just super Dutch, you know what I mean? Like he was just super Dutch. He he said hello to me and he said goodbye to me and that doesn't mean that he necessarily likes you, but he didn't have to say that, you know what I mean? And he lived with us. He always had a beautiful partner. He was just, just one of those really like, this one particular evening, for example, he was wearing all white, you know? He was wearing a white shirt with a white fucking um, long sleeve shirt on underneath and like cream colored pants and white shoes, like, hey, what the fuck is going on, this is just like an average dinner, where there's like, you know, 15, 20 people sitting around, all athletes, we all train together, we're all cool, and like, I'm wearing some fucking, whatever it was, and he's wearing all white, anyway, my boy's sitting next to me, um, the dude that, that, you know, the Aussie guy, his name's Josh, by the way, Josh is sitting next to me, and I remember like, I was always just 110Ks per hour in my mind, you know, like we're talking about something and I'm thinking about the next thing and I'm fucking around, I'm moving shit on the table, I'm fucking, you know, basically how I am right now, talking to a camera by myself. But he's like, I'm like sitting there and I'm like playing with the grapes and shit and Crispy grabs his stuff and he's walking behind me and I'm like, fuck yeah, I'll see if I can get one of these grapes in his, um, in his plate and that'll be hell funny, everyone will fucking... I don't even think I thought that it would be funny. I was just like, it's just a thing, you know what I mean? And it's different and I'm just like... At this point of being a teenager, I'm just like pulling straws to see who I am and what I do and how people respond. And like, you're kind of experimenting, pressure testing everything all the time. So he walks past and I get a grape and I throw it and it doesn't land. And then I throw another grape and it doesn't land. And then I throw another grape and he like looks across me. He's like, Hey, what the fuck are you doing? And Josh is like, bro, what the fuck are you doing? And I thought to myself, I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing you know? And all of a sudden it's like, I went from, instead of just being like, ah, you know, you, you know, you're the fucking class clown. It's just shit you do whatever. I felt embarrassed. And like, Thinking about it now, like my fucking heart turns cold. you know what I mean? Like the feeling me like, ah, oh, fuck. I can't believe that. Uh, you know? Uh, I hate it. Like the thought of me selling my Stamp album to Kimberly in fucking year six at St. Cecilia's. I regret that. Uh, it makes my heart turn cold every time. Whatever, Kimberly, if you're listening, I'd love to buy it back for whatever you want. No big deal. But the thing that that did that day was it made me, obviously, it's like a brilliant example of exactly what I'm talking about. It put me in a space where. There was no age difference between me, Josh, or Crispy. There was no human difference between me, Josh, or There was no respect, nothing. It was just a, hey, man, what the fuck are you doing? What is the purpose? What's the reason? What are you getting out of this? What's the end result that is a good thing in your mind right now? Tell me. Tell me. I couldn't. <clears throat> I couldn't. I was done. And... One of those things, like obviously at the time you kind of play it off as just like, yeah, fucking is what it is, rah, rah, keep moving. But it really like, you know, you do, you go back to your room and you're just like, fuck man, I don't know. You know, you start looking at like the furniture and you're like, why have I got that couch? Why have I got a TV? I don't watch a TV, why have I got it? Why have I got a deep fryer? I remember in my room, I bought a deep fryer as an athlete. Why do I have a fucking deep fryer? You know? And I mean, in reality... That's all I'm still doing is I'm asking why, what, when, you know, what's this all for? What's the purpose? When Does this have an end date? What are we doing? What is Black Ink? Why am I making clothes? Why am I trying to build a community? Why am I recording a podcast? But someone gave me the permission to ask, to answer that question and therefore ask myself that question. And that was like a moment of like, was it a coming of consciousness? Was it a coming of real critical thinking? Was it coming of becoming a man? I don't know. But one thing I do know is it was such... Like at the time, I didn't even call it a negative experience at the time because I had so much respect for Crispy and had so much respect for Josh that even if they asked me, you know, the craziest shit, I'd be like, well, they're coming from a place and I know these good people, whether they're good men or not yet, is their own concern, obviously, because it's everyone's personal thing. But these good people wouldn't ask me to make me feel silly. They would only do it to make me, to, to make me like fucking realize I'll be better. And, man... I mean, now I think about that, that was definitely an integral part of my journey of becoming a brilliant man. And I think about, you know, it takes it takes a real, like, obviously, what would have happened? I would have thrown the grape, and in a perfect world, it would have landed in the gravy, and the gravy would have got on his shirt. And the whole reason it might have been funny in the moment is because, oh, he would have got something on his shirt. And it's funny because Crispy's always fucking wearing perfect stuff. You know, you don't take into account that Crispy has enough respect for himself he views himself as a particular way he builds himself as a a particular way it's just like that's what Crispy is and the fact that you're trying to interfere with it for no reason at all is fucking bizarre you know but I took that whole thing I took that whole experience and like I've obviously let it be a, a factor in like the curation of the character I'm trying to become or the person or the man that I'm trying to become and like it definitely I feel was if not the starting point it was definitely an early step and a massive step in just going like hey man just take a minute to think about what you're doing, you know, and i probably like something that I haven't thought of. I'm thinking about this on the fly right now, but it probably had some, some contributing fact uh, factor into me stopping skating and me coming home and asking like, well, what am I actually doing here? You know, what's the goal? Because the, the, the reality is in a situation like that, if you're on the other side of the world doing a sport, you need to be doing it to be the best in the world. And if you're not doing it to be the best in the world, then get the fuck out. You know, if this was fighting and you're not doing it to be the best in the world, you're gonna get your head caved in. That's how it works. And the skating thing is, is like, you're not even doing a sport that has some sort of financial fucking advantage to it at the end of it. The reality is the way to be fucking paid is to be European in a European country and do it your whole life and get to a point where everyone knows you and you win every race undoubtedly and that's how you make money. And that's how these boys were making money, the ones who were. You know, they got fucking Audi sponsorships and shit like that. Literally crazy shit you wouldn't believe. And it's like, well, that's not my option. I'm just spending my parents' money and, you know, like fucking riding the wave until the wave is over. Now I can either let that wave crash and realize that when I'm at the shore that I've got heaps of sand in my underwear. Or I can pull the pin right now and be realistic with myself and ask myself what I want to do and let myself be fucking engulfed by it. Let myself embody that thing that I want to do so much so that I, you know, that I can be proud of what it is. Got to a certain point where I was like, I don't want to be the world champion speed skater. I fucking love skating, but being the best in the world at speed skating, I just don't think it's my thing. What am I doing here? You know? And following that, you know, like as I spoke about my origin story in podcast number one, I did heaps of things. I did fucking heaps of things. And I'm still doing heaps of things. It's not like I've got to a point now at 28 where I'm like, I know what I'm meant to do. I'm meant to create things, you know? Because then you go like, well, what do I create? For what purpose? For what end goal? Am I creating something to sell so I can make money? What good is money? What would I spend my money on? How would I spend it? Would I give it away? Or is it in the creation process? Is it starting something that's just an idea and then having something that's tangible to hold on to that you can then monetize and create a lifestyle for yourself? Or is it making... Is it the creation process that involves other people in creating the community and having being feeling like you belong? Is it a combination of all these things? You know, it, to say that I've got anything figured out at this stage, if I was any sort of a man would be immature, you know? I think it's just a, it's one of those things where I, I let myself, yeah, yeah. Fuck man, I don't know. You know what? I got two minutes from the fucking finish line and came up with dead air. That's a pretty good run considering yesterday I lost my train of thought three times. Which, if you want to see something hilarious, you want to watch yourself get... Like, physically, you can see it in my face, me getting blood red mad yesterday after I lost my train of thought. It's the best. Like, I watched I'm like, look at this fucking... Look at this dude. Hey, bro, chill out. Chill out. You were just talking about something and you forgot what it was. That's all that happened right now. And I'm treating it like a fucking... Oh man, are you saying someone putting fucking you know, flour in you know I'm not even gonna So look that's 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 my uh thoughts on becoming a brilliant man and some of the experiences that I've had coming to you know a position where like obviously now I admit, you know, I don't even think I'm a man yet. I think I've got a ways to go, but the thing that I do know is the work that I'm doing now means that when I get there, fuck man. Fuck man. That's like, that's so cool. I'm putting in the work now so I can come to a point where that opportunity comes up where, you know, my little nephew looks up at me and says, yeah, and I listen to him and I say, well, how about this? And he's just, fuck, like, fuck. And then in 20 years time, he can be talking to a camera saying how I gave him something that he walked away with and made him question himself and started his journey in becoming a man. How fucking cool is that? How cool is that? Look, if you made it this far through the podcast, I appreciate your your effort and your energy. And I hope this is being watched, you know, kind of in the next few days when I make it and not in 15 years time when I've blown up and become a multi-millionaire because that's what's up. Um, if you are watching it right now, dude, it doesn't matter when you're watching it. Do me a favor. Just tell people about it. And I don't, I don't need you to tell them to go and watch it. I just need you to tell them that I'm doing something. If I, you know, if you find this at all inspirational, if you find this interesting, if you find it cringeworthy, fucking tell them, bruh. Put it on your story. Put it on your fucking how you feel on Facebook. Bro, do whatever you need to do. Just tell them, all right? Give me a like. Give me a subscribe. Fucking give me some money, you know? Because my mum had to pay for my shopping this morning and that's where the fuck I'm at. (laughs) It's cool. It's fucking cool. So look, I'm going to sign out. I appreciate you listening to my podcast. This is podcast number six. I'm, uh, I'm running one podcast ahead of myself at all times, so I've uploaded four. I've got five ready to go. Now I've recorded six. So I'll go upload five now and give you something to watch. You know what I mean? Anyway, be good to your mother. Tell uh, Yeah, I've got nothing else to say dude. I'm just fucking signing out. That's what's up.